Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Labour had one real meaningful flagship policy left. And now they've abandoned it. With much fanfare in 2021, they announced a plan to borrow £28 billion a year for a green investment plan. Rachel Reeves introduced it. Here is our alternative. Our green prosperity plan. Declared she wanted to be, ambitiously, the first green chancellor. It meant quadrupling the government's current capital investment with the hope of that being matched by private investment on green technologies. This mattered. A lot. Obviously not least because of the whole climate emergency being an existential threat to human existence thing. Pretty important if we're going to get all pernickety. But it's also about the fact that Britain has been reduced from the status of country to burning skip. Its old industries were trashed and not replaced by new industries offering secure, well-paid jobs with entire communities sacrificed on the altar of free market economics, Thatcherism, neoliberalism, whatever you want to call it. Much of the UK's infrastructure particularly outside of London, is falling to pieces, quite literally. And indeed, since Margaret Thatcher launched her grand experiment to reshape Britain in her own image, while the country has offered a top-notch experience if you're rich, economic growth ever since has been weak and with a trend of getting weaker, quite unlike what her acolytes would have you believe. And crucially, that weak growth was less equitably distributed than before leaving the country with an unprecedented squeeze in living standards, quite literally since records began in the Napoleonic War. That little growth ended up, that is, in the bank accounts of a tiny few. So here, from Labour, was a plan geared towards tackling the climate emergency, revitalising abandoned communities, tackling regional inequality, bringing growth and raising living standards. Loads of thumbs up there, in theory. It wasn't ambitious enough, actually, but it was something to cling on to, and distinct from what the Conservatives are offering. Labour needed all of this precisely because Starmer had junked his existing policies in the most comprehensive and shameless abandonment of a leader's policy platform in British democratic history. Promises he specifically called pledges in the leadership election. Look that up in a dictionary. It means a solemn promise or undertaking. So let's just have a little summary of those, shall we? Hiking taxes on top earners and big business gone. Public ownership of utilities, gone. Ending private outsourcing the NHS, gone. Abolishing universal credit and benefit sanctions, gone. Scrapping tuition fees, gone. Putting human rights at the heart of foreign policy, gone. Defending migrants' rights, gone. Abolishing the House of Lords, gone. We could go on. They were desperately trying to claim, after all that, that this was due to changed circumstances. I mean, they didn't really need to try hard because the media just let them get away with it. Even though, as one example, Starmer told one interviewer, Andrew Neil, during the leadership contest, that he was committed to nationalisation and it would be in the next Labour manifesto, then told another, Laura Kunersberg, after he'd been elected, that he'd never supported nationalisation. There was a word for that. And indeed, the Labour MP Margaret Hodge claimed at the time of the leadership election that Keir Starmer's campaign told her he was lying to win the job and would change afterwards. Plus, the people surrounding him were always veterans of the Blairite faction of the party who had a track record of 
ideologically opposing these pledges. And they've now successfully pushed, of course, the Green Investment Fund to be shelved as well. Now, pivotal to the whole Green Investment Fund project was Ed Miliband, who'd gone on a political journey after Labour suffered defeat under his leadership in 2015 and went on to regret not being bolder. And I have to say, I've got a huge amount of time for him, and like most of them in there, I honestly think he's driven by the right things. Now, he's shadow Secretary of State for Climate Change and Net Zero for now, um, but he was previously shadow Business Secretary as well. But you see, a lot of the people around Starmer hate him, and I mean really hate him. And they tried to kneecap him by stripping away the business portfolio in late 2021 so they could pave the way for Labour to get his hands and knees in front of big business whilst yelping, I'll do anything you want me to do, daddy. Now, this is his baby, but he's clearly been defeated. Last June, he tweeted, oh, this is sad. Some people don't want Britain to borrow to invest in the green economy. They want us to back down. But Keir, Rachel and I will never let that happen. Britain needs this £28 billion a year plan. And that is what we are committed to. Dear oh dearie me. Painful. Turns out that those some people were Ed's own colleagues who did want Labour to back down and they achieved it. Now, you can see how this faction see the scrapping of all of this by how Jackie Smith, a Blairite former cabinet minister, responded to all this news on Good Morning Britain this morning. I think one of the arguments is, isn't it, Jackie, that, that, that things have changed dramatically, that in, in the economy and in borrowing money and all of that sort of mm. thing that I have to have done. But if the figure's not there, the next question instantly is, well, what are you dropping then? Ed so Miliband. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Ed. He's going to explode. Uh, well, you He's know. going to do a Mount Etna. He'll add to the emissions. <laughs> Poor old Ed. It must be the end of him. See all that? I'm going to write old Chortle with a very right-wing Daily Mail columnist at the perceived demise of Ed Miliband. Lovely. I honestly think that faction prefer the actual Tory right than they do anyone. They regard to... I know, it was to the left of Genghis Khan. Now, the saga of what happened here is really very interesting. This is painful. This is painful, by the way. You see, Labour never came under any meaningful pressure over this policy at all, actually. But a faction within the leadership decided it must go and started watering it down and briefing against it to various newspapers accordingly over a very, very long period. Last June, after much briefing, Labour announced it was scaling back the pledge. Instead of beginning at the beginning or the outset of a Labour government, it would ramp up by the middle of its first parliament. So it was watered down and made more vague, basically, last June. Um, what happened next? Last November, in the flagship Conservative broadsheet, The Telegraph, Labour sources claimed Starmer's aides were pushing for the fund to be cut back even further, given it had already been scaled back. The following month, Starmer then undermined the policy himself, making clear the pledge was subject of Labour's self-imposed fiscal rules of lowering the level um, of national debt, fiscal rules which really will make it very difficult for Labour to do anything in power, actually. Later that month, it was briefed, this time to The Guardian, that the party was considering scaling it back. They really dragged this out, by the way. Um, then, in January, it was reported in The Times that Labour was going to scale it back because of fears of Conservative attacks. Then, two days later, Starmer goes on Sky News and says... But look, let me... You know, the, it's absolutely clear to me that the... Tories are trying to sort of weaponise this issue, the 28 billion, um, etc. This is a fight I want to have. If we can have a fight going into the election between an incoming Labour government that wants to invest in the future, long-term strategy that will lower our bills and give us energy independence, versus stagnation, more of the same under this government, mm -hmm. if they want that fight on borrow to invest, I'm absolutely up for that fight. 
Turns out, according to him, Labour's actually gone for stagnation. I mean, that's, that's the gist of it, isn't it? Two weeks later, the Times reported a number of senior party sources have said it is preparing to abandon all reference to the £28 billion figure originally attached uh, to its green prosperity plan. At the end of the month, ITV's Robert Peston reported its pledge uh, Labour's pledge is set to be consigned to the dustbin of history probably within days. By the way, the piece had an interesting nugget. Some business figures, especially in the renewable sector, say they are desperate for stability from any future government and that they will would be concerned of ditching the £28 billion was a sign Labour can be blown, of course, by perceived short-term electoral advantage. Well, yes, indeed. The point really is there that the Labour leadership is weak and the smallest amount of pressure can just make it cave, regardless of what the consequences are for everybody else. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But then get this, after dragging all of this out, as you can see, painfully, we're supposed to believe these are, by the way, the highly competent grown-ups in the room, amazing communicators. Uh, suddenly, two days ago, Starmer pops up and says the £28 billion a year investment is desperately needed and that he'd been unwavering in his support for it and denied scaling back policies in advance of a general election. But then a day later, it's made public that Starmer will announce the, the next day after that, that he's scaling back the policy. And there it is. May it rest in peace. Ridiculous. Worst of all words, you, worlds, you raise expectations, spend ages dragging out whether you're going to keep your commitment, giving ample material to both supporters and opponents of the policy to just annoy them. A few things here. The policy never came under any meaningful pressure at all, actually, but they still succumbed to it. What does that mean for their inevitable spell in office exactly? And it is inevitable, not because of anything this lot have done, despite perhaps the delusions of maybe some of them, probably deep down they know otherwise. Far from it. After all, they stand for nothing. What are they supposed to be inspiring people to support? It's because the Tories have destroyed themselves. They've handed government over to another political party, basically. It shows, you know, the slightest hint of trouble, they'll fault. What happened here is they anticipated the possibility of pressure. It wasn't actual pressure. And that's what caused them to fold. It shows Starmer is weak within his operation because he clearly wasn't setting the weather when it came to the absolute flagship policy of the Labour Party. Whatever I think of Blair, as happens, I think he's a war criminal, but you would never have had that under him. He would never have allowed this protracted public bomb fight between his aides over the flagship policy in which he basically ends up on the losing side internally. Now, it shows Starmer is, as ever, unprincipled and lacking in clear convictions. It underlines the Labour Party has no intention of tackling the country's major issues. 
their fiscal rules and their refusal to countenance raising taxes on well-off Britons and big business, Rachel Reeves even suggested they could cut tax on the rich, means, well, where are they going to get money from to do anything, like investing in their collapsing public services and infrastructure? I'd also just make the point that their big claim that makes them different for the Conservatives in terms of what they'll offer is growth. They're offering to redistribute, are they? Which will, you know, to, to, to raise people's living standards. They, they'll just say under them the economy will grow. It was a bit like, I don't know, someone just pointing at some football players, as I think some other commentators said, and, and saying, well, we, 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 they should score more goals. Well, yeah, how are you going to do that? What is their magic formula now? Because listen to Keir Starmer last year on what this green policy meant. Our green prosperity plan, like President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, is our plan for growth. Well, there we are. He says that's the plan for growth. That is Labour's plan for growth. So now they don't have a plan for growth anymore. So how are they going to magic up growth to raise people's living standards, given that's what they're offering as, as their big alternative sell to the Conservatives? I mean, look, it gets worse. I mean, they're even committed to keeping the cap of benefits, which drives hundreds of thousands of kids into poverty, while committing not to reinstate the cap on bankers' bonuses. A pretty neat illustration of whose side this lot are on. What are they going to do in government meaningfully? New Labour, again, whatever I think about them, long story there, had flagship policies in 1997, like a minimum wage, a windfall tax on privatised utilities, devolution, cutting school class sizes, ending the NHS internal market, and indeed, substantial public investment after a two-year sticking to Tory spending plans, which they could get away with because there was economic growth at the time. Starmer's Labour has none of that, just a series, a long series, of abandoned promises. Just so, you know, it's not just me, the whingy little lefty here, having a go. Let's listen to John McTurnan, former aide to Tony Blair. Let's put it mildly, doesn't have my politics. Was he right to axe that £28 billion a year figure? It's probably the most stupid decision the Labour Party's made. What would Tony Blair have done? I don't really care what Tony Blair would have done because Tony was the leader in the 20th century. Keir's going to be Prime Minister in the, the second quarter of the 21st century. This is a decision that we have to make now to decarbonise our economy. And it's one which stands for a purpose, a great purpose, a grand purpose. Great parties have great causes. If you don't have a great cause, you want to change from this government, sure, but change to what? What's, what's the change Labour now offers? It's very disappointing. Well, indeed, what is the substantial change now being offered by Labour? I mean, they're still going to get savaged overspending, by the way, but they'll also be savaged being shifty, all over the place, untrustworthy, weak, lacking convictions, zigzagging all over the place. You never know what you're going to get with these people. You don't know when they're going to change their mind. And the gruesome backdrop? Well, there were two main headlines on the BBC today. The first, world reaches 1.5 centigrade warning threshold for full year as a subheading. Uh, it then says the last 12 months were the hottest on record, temporarily sending the world past a deeply symbolic mark. Terrifying. Just underlining the climate emergency is coming for us. What was the next story? Labour ditches £28 billion green investment pledge. Chef's kisses. Perfect. Can't script this stuff. The same day it was announced, Labour was dropping its climate pledge. First time, global temperatures topping that, 1.5 centigrade above pre-industrial levels for a whole year. Not great, is it? Not great. We've got a weak unprincipled, zigzagging, dishonest leadership offering no meaningful change while our country's in a mess and the world's facing an existential threat. As I say, they'll want the next election. They don't need to worry about that. And they'll be very triumphant, I'm sure. 
most of the country will be relieved to get rid of the Conservatives as well. But what happens when that kind of government collides with the dreadful realities that we all face? Well, I think that will prove the really interesting question. Please like and subscribe. Do keep the show on the road at patreon.com forward slash 84 Share the video, listen to the podcast. Speak to you soon.